your website is a manifestation of how it feels to work with you. So if your site is full of clutter or if it's unfocused and distracting, they're going to assume that that disregard is going to carry over to the rest of the sales and service process. It's like you're giving them a sneak preview of what it's really like to deal with your business. Welcome back to Unscheduled Maintenance. I'm your host, Steve Gady. Design matters when it comes to driving digital success. And during their time at Dealer Inspire, Director of Product Design Nate Jones has seen dozens of examples of what to do and what not to do when it comes to designing your dealer site for success. Nate joins us today to share some common dealer website pitfalls, as well as his best tips for creating an excellent consumer experience. So Nate, thanks for joining us today. Good to see you. For those of our listeners that don't know you, um, could you maybe tell us a little bit about your background and how you got to the point where you're at today? Yeah, absolutely. So I've been with Dealer Inspire for about five and a half years now, uh, both as a product manager and product owner, as well as a director of product design. I've been really focused recently on team dynamics and rethinking about how design organizations work so that they can flourish and create killer creative together. Another big part of what I do every day is review designs and collaborate with my team of designers to make sure we're making good choices that really make things better. So we've seen a lot of change over the last 12 months in terms of how dealers have to operate their business and how they show themselves to their customers. Websites are of the utmost importance right now. So from a design standpoint, what are some of the things that you've seen that maybe might be red flags or pitfalls that we want to make sure we counsel our customers to look out for? I think one of the most common issues I see is just that there's too much going on. Dealers have too many pop-ups or too many buttons and too many widgets. And in really the short term, they're distracting their customers from the primary goal of purchasing a vehicle. Uh, but in the long term, the, the more damaging issue is that you have to remember that your website is a manifestation of how it feels to work with you. So if your site is full of clutter or if it's unfocused and distracting, you're really showing disregard for your customers. And they're going to assume that that disregard is going to carry over to the rest of the sales and service process. It's it's like you're giving them a sneak preview of what it's really like to deal with your business. I mean, it sounds like you're talking about making sure put your best foot forward, that consistent experience from the website to where, you know, what it's going to be like to do business with you. That's kind of intangible. Maybe unpack a little bit more about that if you could. Yeah, it's... Um I, I think that a lot of time that we spend with design decisions is making sure that we're being empathic and that we are really putting ourselves, uh, we're, we're ignoring our own uh, assumptions and we're putting ourselves into the shoes of our users and making sure that we fully understand what they want to do and how they view the world. And that's going to allow us to shape our experiences around uh, them, which is how it should be. We talk a lot about the consumer journey or the consumer experience. Exactly. That sounds like that's really what you're talking about and really zeroing in on a clean and concise experience to obviously get to that bottom line a lot faster. Exactly. Some of these issues that you're mentioning are not necessarily new. Um, <laughs> right. How, why do you think that these issues continue to happen and maybe what's some of that impact as, as it relates to us going into this new era of doing business digitally? Yeah, a, a lot of these decisions really are made with the business in mind and they're, they're molded around how the business works. Um, and that we, we really do need to, to switch that around and meet our consumers where they are and use terms that they understand and guide them through, digitally guide them through a process that's historically been 
pretty challenging. And and I don't think that these things are made maliciously. These these mistakes or missteps are made maliciously. I think they're really that they're choices that are being made with a lack of empathy and and maybe a lack of understanding of how just one single small decision can can really throw off and affect the entire experience. Small decision, big result, right? Exactly. <laughs> that's, that's, yeah. That happens a lot. Um, okay. Well, maybe that'll help us shift gears a little bit. So we've talked a little bit about, you know, things to watch out for. What's some guidance that we offer to make sure that you know, our customers are working in the right direction and making sure that they really are zeroing in on the right things about that consumer experience. Absolutely. Um, the first one is really, really basic and simple, and it's remember what your goal is. I guess that our listeners' most basic goal is probably selling or servicing more cars. And if that's accurate, then they really need to take a step back and ask themselves why they keep adding more widgets or um Adding, adding more buttons that can distract their customers or overwhelm them and cause decision paralysis. And, and really to, to remember your goal, you have to clearly articulate it and you have to keep it in the front of your mind for every single decision and make that, that goal the lens through which you view every design choice that you make. Yeah, that's, I, you know, always draw it back to the goal. I think that's a pretty simple step, but, um, you know, goals change over time. Yeah. They expand, they contract, and it's always making sure uh, that you really clarify that as the process changes. Absolutely. And it, it's not a static goal. It can be may, maybe the, the larger, more vague goal is is somewhat static, but you definitely have to change how you're addressing it. And obviously, as, as we moved into COVID and moved more and more of the process virtually, that's an excellent example of, of reevaluating how you get to that main goal. Definitely. Well, what are, what's something else? Uh, goals? Clear? Yeah. Great starting points. What's something else? Absolutely. So another is having conversational conversions. A lot of the process for selling a car or scheduling service, it revolves around forms. And a lot of what makes forms a mistake is that they're a really inhumane way to interact with a business. And most times this can really be solved by shifting your perspective again to consider how you would ask for these same details in a conversation. And that that's going to actually end up paying dividends in multiple ways. So obviously it's a much more natural interaction. That's going to set your customers at ease. They'll be much more willing to give you that information. It also lends itself to providing next steps. So you submit a form and you get a thank you page and the thank you page says, thanks, we'll be in contact with you. But it doesn't necessarily lead you naturally into the next step. And, and a lot of times the shopper's momentum can be stolen from them if you hit something of a brick wall, like a thank you page. It's, it's also a solution, the conversational solution. It works across venues. So we're thinking a lot about websites and obviously the first thing that comes to mind is a web chat. But that same bot, that same conversation script, uh, it translates into text messaging. It translates into Facebook Messenger. So places where you can't take your forms, you can take conversational forms and still get conversions there and still give your customers value where they are. I think that's a big piece. We talk about, again, um, communicate with the consumer the way they want to be communicated with. 
meeting them where they are. And I know it's not a, a silver bullet solution. It's not fit for every single form. Well, there is no such thing, right? Yeah, <laughs> true. So I guess for the forms that you do have to keep that still need to be traditional forms, I think you need to make sure that you are shortening them as much as possible, that you are, uh, if you're asking for sensitive information, that you're providing context around how you're going to use it and why you need it. And really just to be transparent and kind if you have to use a form like that. I love that. Are there some things that dealers can combine the form process with some more of that conversational conversion that you're talking about? Are there some good ways they can do that? Yeah, yeah. You can certainly, uh, not every single form needs to be replaced by uh, a conversational conversion. It can very much, if, if you're able to get one of them through conversational, the, the next step that you lead them to, it's perfectly fine if it's a form. I mean, if, if it needs to be. And you can also structure some of the inputs. So if you're asking for things conversationally, you can also structure it so that you make sure you get a valid zip code or something like that within within the conversation. Love that. Love that. Okay. Goals, yeah. conversational <laughs> conversion. What's something else? Yeah. Another thing is to be mobile first. And I'm not just talking about a responsive website. There's much more to it than that. And I get that when you're working you're looking at your website from a desktop computer. And I get that the people on your team who are gonna be updating the website, they're probably also doing it from their desktop computer, but it absolutely has to be a top priority to ensure that you're not providing a crappy experience to the biggest segment of your users. The, the most important part is obviously that you are at least allowing your mobile visitors to do the same things as what your visitors on a computer are able to do. Uh, but once again, this is really about uh, a shift of mindset to really put your mobile customers first. If we're going to talk about like tangible things that that have to do with that, it's it's looking at like loading speed, just making sure that it's it's a fast experience on a mobile device. That also touches on on an accessibility concern because there are also users who don't have unlimited data, and and it's pretty critical for them that we're we're being kind to them by not giving them a huge download just to shop for a car or schedule service. We also need to look at things like pop-ups and how those work on mobile devices, which they don't really work very well. Also, in ensuring if we talk about forms again, if you're on mobile, we want to make sure that if you're asking for a phone number or a zip code, that it pops up the, the numerical keypad. So that's a pretty easy thing to do, but it's just another thing that we have to remember to do to put those mobile customers first, to pop that up for them. And obviously typography size, we need to make sure it's readable on a mobile device, but there's also benefits. And that's the other thing, being mobile first can also sort of expand your horizons. And you can use things like having really precise geolocation that aren't necessarily as, as precise on a desktop computer, or you can use things like having a camera. So there are extra capabilities that mobile devices have that if you're thinking out about it from a mobile first mindset, that's going to really allow you to do more and have your consumers get more value mobile out of that first process. is a phrase that I've heard a lot in the past, I mean, certainly <laughs> yeah. 10 months, but this is definitely something that has been a rising tsunami, if you will. I would even go as far back as maybe even five years on the sales side of the house in training. We talk about how when we used to have to talk to our customers about prepping for mobile get, and if you remember that back in the day, right? And looking at it from a mobile first uh, perspective, what are some ways, you know, from a design a product design standpoint, how do you make sure that you are keeping yourself? I mean, is it as simple as digesting content on your mobile device or is there more to it than that? Yeah, I, I think one of the first things to do is actually experience what you're putting your customers through on a mobile device. So 
open up your own phone and go to your website and and chat with somebody and and do digital retailing and and do all of the experiences that you're asking your consumers to do but but do it through a mobile device and just see what it's like and a lot of times that's incredibly eye-opening what we typically do is quite literally mobile first so if we get a feature request or we get a new product the first thing that we do is wireframe it from a mobile perspective. And that also, in addition to having it put the mobile experience first, that also helps us to really hone in on what's important because you don't have as much space to put fluff in. You don't have as much room physically. So it really allows us to inform the desktop version of products and the desktop version of sites by what's really important because we just didn't have room to fit it in or it didn't work on mobile. So maybe we shouldn't have a desktop. Your streamlining either. of process, right? I love that. Absolutely. I think that's, you know, again, really important things. And and it sounds like if it's as, if it really is as easy as opening up your mobile device, going to your own website, going through what that consumer experience is, so you have a better idea of what's good and what needs to be improved, right? Absolutely. And I I would even I mean it's important for for you to do or it's important for people in the industry to do, but it's also important for you to grab a relative like talk to your mom and have her do it because she's the, you know, those relatives who don't have that, that same insider knowledge of the way things work, it's going to, there are going to be things that are confusing to them. And and we talk about that a lot in our process. Like, did yeah. you show this to your mom yet? And it's like quite literally that's, that's some of the testing that we do because it's people who aren't necessarily as savvy. It's people who aren't necessarily technologically savvy or, or as savvy with the industry. You need to get a different perspective that doesn't know that, oh yeah, that doesn't work that great because of this. They just see that it doesn't work that great. That's going to also allow you to see where I other think issues that is lie. really, really important. I love the, well, did you show this to your mom yet? I think that's a fantastic reference because I, I know my time at the firm here, I've had many, many conversations where somebody that's just someone that we would refer to as Joe Jane Q public um, consumer, and they would say, well, you know, the one reason why I wasn't on your site is because it did this or it didn't do that, right? those little bits of detail that, you know, we need to collect uh, from about that consumer experience again. Um, But it takes somebody that doesn't perhaps have that tech experience, the design experience that may have that unconscious bias of, well, this is how the product should be, right? As opposed to that fresh set of eyes. When you said that, I immediately thought back to a few years back when um, Alex Vetter was on stage and mentioned that his mother that was on the site that was shopping for a car and that that gave him the light bulb for, you know, a design change. I love it. Great technique. And it's a simple step to follow too as well. Today's episode might be inspiring you to make some updates to your website design that you'll surely want to show off to an in-market audience. But the term in-market audience is everywhere in automotive marketing. Although not audiences are created equal, many are inflated and some go so far as to flat out misrepresent the audience they're targeting altogether. And there are few things more frustrating than wasting precious ad dollars on audiences that aren't actually in the market to buy a car. Cars is here to help with a 100% free resource you can leverage to evaluate in-market audience claims as you plan your marketing strategies for 2021. Our new audience guide addresses how bad audience data is eating your advertising budget and provides three steps you can take to maximize ROI with real in-market audiences. Visit growwithcars.com to learn more. 
You know, one thing that's really fantastic about uh, the Dealer Inspire platform is it gives dealers control, right? There's a lot of control and with great control comes great responsibility, right? So it's really important, again, that we watch out for how we are counseling our folks to make sure that they understand they are making the right choices. So how do we say we're giving you the control to be able to do these things with your website, your brand, your advertising, but at what point do we say, here's where you can call us and we can give you some guidance as to how to do it. Yeah, absolutely. I would say a good place to start is that as you are going through whatever product, whether it's the website or or chat or digital retailing, as you're going through that with your sort of car shopper hat on is to take notes about everything and then immediately reach out to your providers because it's going to be up to them to fix a lot of those things. And I know that speaking about Dealer Inspire, our, our client services team is exceptional and they are always willing to to take those really sort of targeted and clear suggestions and take action on them right away. So I think what will empower the, the dealers to be more uh, more successful in this endeavor is really to make sure that you have clear notes to be able to give actionable suggestions or make actionable requests instead of having something be very vague about not liking it or this isn't working right. Just being very specific about what isn't working right. And that allows the client services team or anybody throughout cars to be able to see exactly what's going on and get it fixed as, and as quickly as possible. And this actually ties back to what we were talking about earlier. And the only way to do that is they have to go through the own consumer experience, right? To find out what's good and what's bad, right? And then they can come back exactly. with some clear requests. And, and I think that makes sense because, you know, anything that they don't already have the knowledge to be able to control on their own, hey, if you don't know, ask for help, right? Use the support structure that's in place. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, at least for Dealer Inspire, it's something that we can either fix for you or uh, we can fix it and teach you. And if it's something you're able to learn how to fish for yourself, we're happy to do that, but help you out in the first place as well. my mind. If I give you a fish, (laughs) you'll eat for a day. If I teach you how to fish, you'll eat the rest of your life. I'll never forget the first time I heard that. So no, absolutely. You were right where I was going. So um, I think there's some very actionable steps. Is there a simple way for our listeners to know, hey, here's a way that you can go approach putting the right consumer experience on your advertising on your website and put your best foot forward? Yeah, absolutely. I would say that the most important thing for me is to take all of what you've learned from all of the other tips, all the other guidance and really see if the decision you're making or if the product that you want to add is fits in with that. Does it advance your goal? Does it work on mobile? Is it really connected to all of your other experiences? And if it doesn't fit into one of those things, you need to ask yourself if that's something you really need at all. So hopefully these tools and these suggestions allow you to, to focus and evaluate your entire experience so that you feel empowered to make sort of ruthlessly empathic decisions that improve the customer's experience. A great dealer website is much more than colors or typography. It's the entire experience you create for a consumer on their shopping journey. And the better you make that experience, the more success you're going to have. I would like to thank our guest, Nate Jones, for being with us today. And thank you all for tuning in. For even more tips or how to help create a consumer-friendly website, visit DealerInspire.com. We'll be back in two weeks with more of Season 3 of Unscheduled Maintenance. Unscheduled Maintenance was created by Alex Vetter and Jake Whitler and is a production of Cars, Inc. and is hosted by me, Steve Gady. 
Our senior producer is Evan Sears. Sarah Nicholas is our producer, along with assistant producer Ryan Corgan-Wetzel. Audio mixed by Chris Franzen. Original design and animations for each episode created by Paul Dolan and Matt Coenia. You can see those and listen to all of our episodes at growwithcars.com slash unscheduled maintenance. Unscheduled maintenance is recorded remotely from our homes. We're looking forward to working in person again when we're able to safely return to our studio. Thanks for listening.